Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Hello, this is Dr. Grande. Today's question is, can I analyze the disappearance of Emma Filipov? The case of Emma Filipov was featured in a documentary on the Fifth Estate and in an article written on crowdsourcing criminology. It is a case that is both fascinating and frustrating. I'll go through the background of Elma Filipov. I'll talk about the timeline around the disappearance, and then I'll offer my analysis. Emma Filipov was born on January 6, 1986, in Canada. She was raised in Perth, Ontario. Her parents separated when she was young. This conflict was stressful for her. She left home at 18, over the next few years, she taught English in China. She earned a diploma in photojournalism and another in culinary arts. In 2011, Emma moved from Perth to Victoria. Initially, she stayed with a friend in an apartment before moving into another unit in the same building. After a few months, however, she started staying in a number of places, including in the woods, on boats, and in a woman's shelter called the Sandy Merriman House. She found employment at a seafood restaurant in Victoria's Inner Harbor. The job was seasonal. On October 31, 2012, she left the job, but she told her co-workers she would return the next spring. Emma purchased a 1993 Mazda MPV while in Victoria, probably with the intent of living in it. She hired a tow truck on November 21, 2012, to move the vehicle, Apparently, it did not run. She told the driver she had plans about moving back to Perth, Ontario. Video surveillance shows that Emma was at the Victoria YMCA on November 23. She kept moving in and out of the building as if she was concerned, like somebody was after her and she was trying to evade them. Emma contacted her mother, Shelley, several times requesting to come home. It sounds as though maybe... Emma was asking her mother to come get her, or Shelley was suggesting that, but then Emma's tone would shift and she would change her mind, telling her mother not to come. Shelley became aware that Emma was staying at the Sandy Merriman house, so she decided to fly out even though Emma had asked her not to. 
so we can see the concern was growing. During the last conversation between Emma and Shelley, Emma said, I don't know how I can face you. This takes us to November 28, 2012. At 8.30 a.m., video surveillance captured Emma on Government Street at a 7-Eleven convenience store. She entered the store and bought a prepaid credit card for $200. She would return to that same store just before 6 p.m. and buy a prepaid cell phone. As she was exiting the store from that purchase, she seemed to be carefully looking outside, as if she was concerned about something or someone on the street. She left the Sandy Merriman house at about 6.10 p.m. and hailed a taxi to take her to Victoria International Airport. She left the taxi after claiming she did not have the fare, which is curious considering she had purchased that credit card. Within minutes, Emma was seen near the Empress Hotel in Victoria. She was not wearing shoes. She was holding her shoes in her hand. A man named Dennis Quay noticed that Emma was standing by a crosswalk, but wasn't crossing the street. He asked her if somebody was following her. Kind of an unusual question if he didn't see something that was alarming. He stayed with her for 30 minutes before going into a restaurant and calling emergency services. He reported a woman in severe distress outside the hotel. The police found Emma in front of the Empress Hotel and questioned her for about 45 minutes starting at around 7.15 p.m. They asked her where she was going. Emma indicated she was working through some things. She was going to walk and then meet a friend. They asked her if she was depressed, homicidal, or suicidal. She answered no to all those questions. The police decided that even though Emma seemed to be acting in an unusual manner, she was not a threat to anyone, including herself. They left without doing anything. The last known sighting of Emma was at 8 p.m. in front of the Empress Hotel. Emma's mother arrived at the Sandy Merriman house at about 11 p.m., but could not locate Emma. After Emma's disappearance, the police started investigating. Her Mazda MPV was found near the Empress Hotel. All her belongings were inside of it, including her laptop, camera, library books she had recently borrowed, clothes, and her passport. Her credit card was found in the possession of a man who used it to buy cigarettes. The man claimed he recovered the card near a recreation center in the city of Colwood, several miles north of where Emma disappeared. Later, the man's story appeared to change. He said he didn't remember where he found the card. The man was given a polygraph and was cleared by the police. Emma's prepaid cell phone had never been activated. The police searched the harbor and in other areas. There was no sign of Emma Filipoff. In 2014, in Vancouver, store owners observed a man wearing a green shirt entering the store after having just torn down one of Emma's missing persons reward posters. The man claimed that she was not missing. He suggested that Emma was his girlfriend and she ran away because she hates her parents. The man was never identified even though he was captured on video surveillance. In 2016, Emma's mother and brother were charged with a number of criminal offenses related to drugs, weapons, and money laundering. Not long after this, the charges against Shelley were dropped. In 2018, a man came forward and claimed that on November 29, the day after Emma's disappearance, he saw a woman matching her description. This resulted in another search, but no evidence was recovered. There's another report of a young man who knew Emma, 
when she lived in Perth. This man apparently had feelings for Emma, but they were not reciprocated. He even wrote a letter at one point to Emma's father apologizing for stalking behavior. So right away we know he's not a very good stalker. He clearly did not read the section in the stalker handbook that talks about never admitting you're a stalker. It's worrisome when people don't take pride in their work. This man traveled to Victoria and encountered Emma, but he claims it was a coincidence. He did not travel there with the intent of finding her. I find this curious because those two locations, Perth and Victoria, are over 2,900 miles apart. The police questioned him, and he passed a polygraph. It would appear this man had the worst luck in the world when he just happened to run into someone who would disappear under mysterious circumstances, but then the best luck in the world when he ran into police who invest in pseudoscience. I wonder if these detectives have an open investigation into the location of the Tooth Fairy. In addition to the evidence I've talked about here, there have been numerous other tips. None of them have worked out. Now moving to my analysis. I'll start with Emma Filipov's potential personality profile. Emma was described as a good writer, intelligent, quiet, charismatic, goofy, a free spirit, adventurous, too giving, gullible, a good listener, and private. The potential personality profile would be high in openness to experience, intellectually curious, creative, adventurous, mid-range conscientiousness, both high and low facets of extroversion, friendly and sensation-seeking on the high side, but also quiet and reserved, which is on the low side. We see high agreeableness. She tended to be trusting. She was modest. And we see mid-range neuroticism, which appeared to be on the higher side, closer to her disappearance. In looking at Emma's mental health, as far as I know, there has never been any official diagnosis made, or if there was, it was never released. There is some information available that seems to indicate a few potential symptoms, including paranoia, depression, and erratic behavior. Starting with the paranoia. At the women's shelter, she was described as paranoid. They said she would pull the curtains closed in her room, remain isolated, and she reported that her furniture was talking to her. That last one seems to suggest psychosis was a possibility as well, so a break from reality. Others described her behavior as becoming increasingly private. Her behavior on the day she disappeared seemed to support the idea of paranoia. She appeared to believe that she was under some type of threat. This is based on the way she was looking out at the street. Emma wrote a lot. Some of her writings contain information pointing to paranoia. She wrote that she felt like someone was following her. A car paused in the street as she walked by. This made her worried. She felt like she was being stalked. Now looking at the depression. She wrote that she had not been in touch with anybody. She did not feel supported. She said she had no friends, no family, and for all purposes was alone and depressed. When she told her mother she did not know if she could face her, that could point to a feeling of shame, which can be tied to depression. In line with the theory that she was depressed would be this idea that she brought an end to her own life. Depression is certainly associated with suicide. There is some evidence supporting this theory. Emma wrote, I am not free until the world is free. Hell is all around me. She also wrote a poem of sorts that can be interpreted in a few different ways. Here's what she wrote. To everyone, 
I figure someone will be on this computer at some point and will read this. So right here, this kind of suggests that the computer will not be in her possession. She continues, Okay, so I'm dead. Floating about on energy or not, watching dying stars, reviving stars, and dreaming milky dreams and shadow dancing on your timelines. Or whatever. Good luck, every heart, I love you, M. It seems fragmented, but poetry has an artistic component that can appear that way. It's not really clear if it's poetry or if it is a letter that is supposed to communicate something fairly direct. Separating what is meant to be poetic and what is meant to be literal can be tough in this type of situation. A lot of people write poems that have very little to do with definitive plans, and sometimes definitive plans can look like poetry. It doesn't seem to clearly support the idea that she planned on harming herself, but it does have a dark and depressing tone as well as a finality to it, like she's wanting to move on from this life. The most worrisome component is the fact that she refers to herself as dead and again indicates that somebody will be finding that computer at some point. It's far from a clear note, but I don't think I would dismiss it just because it doesn't necessarily clearly describe a plan. As far as the erratic behavior, Emma was walking around in 48 degree weather while carrying her shoes instead of having them on her feet. She seemed to be stuck at that crosswalk. She climbed into a taxi, then exited, even though she had the money to pay for the trip to the airport. In addition to mentioning the airport as a destination, she also told the driver she didn't know where she wanted to go. There are a few things that strike me about the potential mental health and personality factors in this case. One, at one time, Emma was highly functional. She earned diplomas, she taught students, she traveled. People may have thought she was gullible, but I'm not aware that anybody in her hometown believed she couldn't take care of herself. Interestingly, much of her behavior in Victoria also seems to indicate she was functional. But then we see indications that perhaps in Victoria is where Emma started to break down. Maybe this is where the symptoms started or worsened and she was left feeling disoriented and feeling ashamed, like she couldn't effectively enlist support. She was embarrassed to reach out for help. Two, her behavior became increasingly unusual the closer we moved to her disappearance. At that point, she would have been fairly vulnerable. There's no way to know what was causing her symptoms. It may have been major depressive disorder, which would also explain the potential psychosis. It may have been the onset of schizophrenia. This would explain the psychosis, the paranoia, and it is consistent with the idea that she would just stand there and look at things. This happened a few times, like when she was at that crosswalk, almost like she was catatonic. Substance use is also a possibility, and there are other options like delusional disorder, brief psychotic disorder, bipolar disorder. Really, there are a number of potential disorders. Regardless of what disorder she may or may not have had, the symptoms necessitate treatment. They should not be ignored. So this is an individual that appeared to need mental health treatment. So what happened in this case? The answer is, I don't know, of course, but I'll go through a few possibilities and indicate which one I think is the most likely. One, Emma fled because of her symptoms and the stress she was feeling knowing her mother was on the way. 
Emma simply lives a homeless lifestyle, and nobody recognized her. Under the same theory, she could have just taken off and left the area. We know that the recreation center, where allegedly that prepaid credit card was found, was next to the Galping Goose Trail, a hiking trail that begins in downtown Victoria. Emma had also talked before about living off the grid and traveling to other countries. Two, Emma went somewhere isolated and brought an end to her life on purpose or died of something like exposure or dehydration. So it could have been intentional or it could have been reckless, but either way, under that theory, she would be dead. Three, nefarious actors were involved in her disappearance. If this is the case, it's likely that she did not survive, although it's still possible. There are, of course, other possibilities, like she was faking the mental health symptoms, it was her plan all along to disappear. Really, no possibility has been excluded. That's what's so frustrating about this case. Without really much physical evidence to go on, anything could have really happened. So with all those theories in mind, what do I think happened? The events of the day of her disappearance seem to point to someone in distress. Her functioning seemed to be decreasing at a remarkable rate. She was paranoid, disoriented, erratic, and possibly depressed. She did not offer a particularly convincing narrative to the police, although ultimately they felt as though they couldn't do anything. Her behavior seemed to be consistent with somebody getting ready to flee. We see the prepaid credit card, the prepaid phone, asking to go to the airport. Considering all these factors, I think it's reasonable to believe that she fled, not that she was taken by someone. The difficulty, of course, is that she left her passport and many other belongings behind. But that could be explained by the disorientation, paranoia, and a sense of urgency. Running under the assumption that she did flee, the question then becomes, is she still alive? Other than her disappearance, leaving her belongings in her vehicle, and the fact that her credit card was recovered after being used illegally, all of which are decidedly negative, there is no additional evidence that she is dead. No body, no blood found somewhere, no evidence of a struggle somewhere, no witness to an attack. She could very well still be alive. Assuming that she was not murdered and she did not die from something else, I think one of the difficulties is that she was last seen in a vulnerable state. It's hard to imagine that things worked out too well if she was that paranoid and potentially psychotic. This state could dramatically increase the probability that somebody would attack or exploit her. So what lesson can be learned in this case? If what happened in this case was that Emma was going through the onset of some type of mental disorder or going through the worsening of symptoms from a pre-existing disorder, then the lesson is that even though there's never a good time to have mental health symptoms, one of the worst times would be when one is away from family or other support systems. This reminds me of the Elisa Lamb case, a young woman who died at a hotel in Los Angeles after an apparent worsening of bipolar disorder symptoms. Social support is important for everybody, but it is particularly important for those suffering from mental illness. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis.
was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.